Amen. Hey, welcome church. My name is Roy. If you've been tracking with us the past few weeks, we've been in the book of Genesis. We've been chronicling and following along every chapter, and we're in chapter 35 today. And today, we're going to continue to follow along in the life of Jacob. As you've noticed, if you've been with us, it's, it's a life of ups and downs to where his ups are pretty insignificant. His potential is super high, but his lows are devastatingly low. Last week, we saw him miss a layup of a reconciliation with his brother Esau, who was estranged from him for 20 years. Jacob does this by telling his brother to go meet him somewhere after he was the offender, and then his brother forgave him on the spot. He, he says, go here, we'll meet on the way home, and then he goes an alternative route. But this is par for the course for Jacob, with his life being so up and so down, his potential so high, but he lives way below the line. And if you're unfamiliar with Jacob's story, as you've been following along with us, we, we begin to think, is this guy going to fulfill his potential? Is he going to live up to the mantle that was given to him, actually, in which he stole? But yet God sovereignly gave, which was that from his lineage, the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus, would eventually come. Church, it is a sad thing to see people not fulfill their potential. Being in football for all those years, umpteen years growing up, I saw people have crazy potential, but never reach it. They lacked the it factor. They lacked an appetite, a hunger, a hunger for preparation for more, to fulfill their God-given potential. But church, do you know what is even more sad? Is when a born-again person does not fill their potential. When the born-again saint who has every spiritual blessing in Christ does not fulfill their potential. By potential, I, I genuinely mean a biblical new covenant potential to where we become more and more like Christ. Who in here knows the goal of Christianity when the Spirit indwells us? To become more and more into the image of Christ, Amen. It's to become more and more like the person that God designed us to be from before the foundations of the earth. It's where people take a look at us and they notice that we have Galatians 5 type freedom in Christ. That we have a flourishing family like Psalm 128. It is that type of walking around with confidence to, to where someone would read their Bible and they would see little error, little gaps, not many things that are different from our life and the Word of God. You with me? That is the goal. That is the Holy Spirit working within us. That's how we, put, we get to our potential. And in today's text, we see Jacob just beginning, just beginning to fulfill his potential. He does this by focusing on one thing. And that one thing that we'll cover today it can be, actually God uses it in order to fulfill our potential. Baby amen. <laughs> and if 
if you want to copy baby, that's the type of church that we're looking for, a responsive church. I don't know about y'all, but I genuinely don't want to be the dude 5, 10, 15, 30 years from now where my loved ones say he had so much potential, but if only he could then. I want it all. I want what the psalmist said in his word that he wants every spiritual blessing. I want it all. I want everything on this side of the cross that Jesus has purchased for me. I want to experience it. I don't want to just read about it in black letters that's too, but I want to experience it. I want to experience love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and faithfulness. Amen, church? I want to experience the Lord of hosts. I don't want there to be that much of a gap between what I read and who I am and what I do. In other words, I want to fulfill my potential in Christ. I pray that we all do by the end of this, in Jesus' name. That is the goal and the aim of this text today. Today's text, we're going to see how God uses a powerful past experience in order to propel Jacob forward in fulfilling his potential. And causing him, in other words, to obey him for the present and for the future. That, my friend, is the power of a moment. A power of a moment with God. And that'll be today's message. Spiritual habits that, that we routinely have every single day. The self-denial, the walking with Christ is what forms our character, church. But what keeps our awe in God are reflecting on his experiences. Let's pray. Jesus, immerse your people. Indwelt with your spirit, raise us, God, that we would desire and hunger and have a massive appetite to fulfill our potential in you. Let us no longer settle for lower means of satisfaction, but resurrender, surrender back unto you. Holy Spirit, have your way. I'm not a hireling. I'm not a huckster. I'm not here to impress anyone. I'm here to give your word. No more, no less. Guard my heart. Govern my tongue. Guide my thoughts so that it would be pleasing to you. Make us in this room. We've already tasted and seen. There's something different this morning in worship. God, help us receive, God, with softened hearts your word. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Amen. Let's get into the text. Genesis 35, verse 1. Then God said to Jacob, get ready and move to Bethel and settle there. Jacob, currently in this text, is settled in Shechem. And God tells him to move south down to Bethel. Actually, it's the second time that God has told Jacob to move to Bethel. The first time was 30 years prior. Have you ever been delayed on obeying the word of God? 30 years prior, he gets the first initial one. Genesis 31, verse 3. God speaking here, and he says, Return to the land of your father and grandfather, and to your relatives there, and I will be with you. To catch us up on today's text, a lot has happened between the 30 years of that first reminder and today's text, which is a reminder. Jacob has moved from Paramaram down to Bethel during those 30 years. 
During those 30 years, he makes his way. That's, that's a trek of 500 miles on foot, camel, whatever it may be during those times. 500 miles. So he's basically going from Omaha and making his way, walking all the way to Denver. And just like in classic fashion, Jacob stops after 475 miles to his destination. 25 miles in order for him to fully obey God, to go exactly where God wanted him, and he stopped. The fact was that he wasn't supposed to stop. Terrible things happened in the, in the chapter previous because his family is where they are not supposed to be. And this is a reminder from God today to continue to finish our treks. As we tune in to where God is directing us and our family, he's telling us today, just like he told Jacob, finish your trek, and that's what's happening. And the difference between the two orders of 30 years ago, God saying, go to Bethel. And today's reminder, 30 years later, go to Bethel. Is that in this reminder from God, 30 years later, there's an incentive. God, in other words, incentivizes Jacob to obey. He does this, and it's clear in the text, by reminding Jacob that Bethel is where Jacob encountered the power, the love, and the presence of God. Look with me. Verse 1. Then God said to Jacob, we're recovering this again, get ready and move to Bethel and settle there. Here it is. Build an altar there to God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. The difference is that God is reminding and attaching to his command to leave to Bethel, reminding of the importance of an experience that Jacob had at Bethel. And Genesis 28 chronicles the encounter. So right now, I want to just, we're going to jump back a couple chapters and just envision with me just how powerful this was. We, we covered it a couple weeks ago. Genesis 28, this was the encounter. As Jacob slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from earth up to heaven. And he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. Bless the Lord. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham, and God your father Isaac. The ground that you are lying on belongs to you, Jacob. I'm, I'm giving it to you here, Bethel, and to your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out all directions to the west and to the east and the north and the south, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. Uh, what's more, I am with you, and I will protect you. This is easy to miss out on. God is giving him a promise to protect him while his brother Esau is chasing to kill him. Believing that he is as reasonable as any human would be, I would think Jacob would realize my brother has rights to kill me over what I've done to him and betraying him multiple times. And yet still God appears to him in his lowest <laughs> of moments. And he encounters the promises and the power of God. The encounter is so powerful. I'll read to the very end. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, 
surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. It was such a powerful encounter with the creator of the universe that his response is not, okay, God, how are you going to guard me like I got like, my, my brother has like four to 500 warriors. He doesn't do any of that. He simply believes in faith and he says, surely God is in this place. The encounter and encounters generally with God, they invoke such strong emotion. Bless you. And Jacob ends up reminiscing and it causes Jacob to obey. Jump back now. We're going to go back into the text. Verse 2, and you'll see it here. So Jacob told everyone in his household, this, this is Jacob's response, right? After Yahweh says, go back to Bethel, here's your incentive, remember? My goodness. He then responds, get rid, family, of all your pagan idols. Purify yourselves. Put on new clothing. We are now going to Bethel, where I will build an altar to the God who answered my prayers. Bless the Lord. When I was in distress... He has been with me wherever I have gone. We see Jacob finally give in to God. He begins to fulfill his potential as the chosen one in whom the Messiah is going to come from. He gets finally, God gets him where he needs to be. That's the power of a moment. God will use it to get us where we need to be. Are you hear me, church? To fulfill our potentials in Christ. To compel our obedience unto what he says. He uses that. And they assist us. Experiences assist us in obeying God. And in lasting for the long haul. Because we know that Jesus has said in his word that expect troubles but he has to overcome the world. Amen? And so these experiences that God has gifted us, they're like nitrous oxide in our tank. I, they just propel us forward in an awe of God that just says, oh Lord, whatever you say, I'll do it. What is the difference between Jacob then and now is that he is living and reminding himself. God has put it in his mind and then dropped it to his heart where it stirs his affection. He says, okay, God, I'm going to go. I will finally go after living 10 years in Shechem and delaying the inevitable move to Bethel. God uses an encounter. So pure confession for me, and I think hopefully it'll be freeing to y'all, is that me, one of your pastors, is actually attacked by the enemy pretty often with a thought in my mind. I'll be writing a sermon and a thought in my mind will say, does God exist? That seed of doubt. Now I have two things at that moment. I passively just let it go, or I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. And praise God for his Holy Spirit. It's usually in those moments where I, where I think to myself, oh man, am I wasting my time if God doesn't exist? It's usually in those moments that the Holy Spirit reminds me of proofs in my past that show not only does he exist, but he sees me. I can't tell you how many times I've been a part of powerful messages that have been used on 
this stage or the other two stages we've been at at our former places of worship as a house of the Lord. I don't, so many times I've gotten up there and the power of God has moved and people have said, thank you, thank you for, pray, for praying during the, preparing your heart, whatever it may be. And I say, you, you, you hold on. In my heart I say, y'all don't even know what a boy went through that week. And yet God was faithful to remind me of an evidence that he does exist and I should continue in putting time into messages so as to bless the church. Multiple times, the Holy Spirit has reminded me of when I was in torment before coming to the Lord. And then I literally switched like this, in a moment, to peace and joy that I've never experienced before. When I first believed in the name of Jesus and I confessed it with my mouth. I can't explain that. It's supernatural. These supernatural things you can reason with to a certain degree. And then you end up just chalking up it to, that's our creator. How many times that I've been blessed where I've been discouraged and just directing and overseeing the flock over the past couple years, and then I go out to a, a seek night in a waiting room at CLB, and I end up seeing the Holy Spirit pour out wisdom, knowledge, and prophetic words to the church through the church. And I see people literally just weep when the word's given. And they say, literally, God does this? Those are what God reminds me of, of how he not only exists, but he cares for me. Church, when was our last Bethel moment? When was our last, oh Lord, you are surely in this place when was the last time we experienced the power and love of God when was the last time we came into an encounter with the God of the written word there's no shame no condemnation these moments and experiences are just too precious to not use too precious to not meditate on and contemplate on like the Israelites did before our time. God is a dad who genuinely wants us to encounter him. Why? Because he wants to make memories with us. And why is that? So that we will become all that he wants us to be. He knows that these memories, they stir our affections for him and they will make us want to, want to obey him, where we can genuinely walk by faith, hallelujah, and not by sight. That's how God wants to use those experiences. Church, may we hunger, and I'm talking about hunger and thirst for divine encounters. May we hunger for the ones that surprise us in our daily quiet times already scheduled and on the off-schedule moments, whether we're praying or whether we're at the grocery store, whether we're reading our Bible or whether we are working, may we hunger and thirst for the presence of God to be reminded of his love for us. In other words, let's ask for it all. Let's ask, if you're at this seek night, we, we weren't even supposed to be here. And uh, things happened to where we almost canceled 
We had about 15 minutes left to give an answer, and yet God showed up. And then people ended up getting ministered to like no one's business. And there were some things in here that you cannot explain except for God's extraordinary love and power supernaturally. And a part of why that even happened was because when we were sandwiched between calling it or not calling it, canceling or not canceling, we simply just said, God, will you open the door? And he did. Our pops is a good father. And he genuinely wants to make memories with us. Let's ask him for it. On schedule and off schedule. We're going to jump back into the text. Y'all ready? Jump back into the text with me. We're going to see, she is, more results of how Jacob's encounter blesses him. How are y'all doing, church? Let's get it. Verse 1, going back. Then God said to Jacob, get ready and move to Bethel and settle there. Build an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. The first two things in the text that we are revisiting is this. God ends up saying, get ready and move. Now, if I'm Jacob and God says plainly in the text, get ready, I'm going to think, okay, it's time for, me to, time for me to pack up my possessions and my people and my property and get it moving. But Jacob doesn't hear that. Jacob hears something different because he is now reminiscing of the God of Bethel. He's starting to tune in a little bit differently. He ends up saying that he's supposed to prepare his family and their hearts before moving church. Jacob is listening correctly. He's understanding what God is saying underneath what he is saying. He's understanding that his family, he knows his history, that they have issues. They have family issues, and he is tuned in to what God is really saying when he says, go back to Bethel. He understands underneath that simple phrase, physically get ready and go, that there's a spiritual get ready. It's, it's like our loved ones when they say one thing, and to another person, they think, okay, they're simply saying one thing, but we know better because we spent time with them. We know that they actually mean one thing and another thing underneath that because of the quality time that we spent with one another. That's what's happening here in the text with Jacob. Ever since he, became, he began recalling his moment, his experience in Bethel, and it causes him to tune in. It causes him to start seeking first the kingdom of God. And Jacob's getting rid of his family idols. Look with me in the text, verse 2. So Jacob told everyone in his household, Get rid of all your pagan idols. Purify yourselves and put on clean clothing. We, as a family, we are now going to Bethel, where I will build an altar to the God who answered my prayer when I was in distress. Before going back to Bethel, he is so affected by remembering his memory with God that he has a heart-to-heart -heart with his family. Uh, he sits down and he says to his family, we got some things that we need to get right. There have been things that have gone underneath the roof, roof and inside the doors of my household. And we cannot go on like this anymore. Jacob 
takes a stand. He is rising to the occasion of spiritually leading his family. In other words, he is beginning to take ownership of his family and fulfill his potential. We're starting to see actions after his remembrance of the encounters. And he does this by consecrating himself, not only himself, but his family. Consecration means to separate ourselves from things that will contaminate our relationship with God. To separate ourselves from things that will contaminate our relationship with God. Do we remember, church, why God hates sin? It's because it separates us from being close with him. All my intimates, can I get an amen? It causes relational distance. And any parent knows the agony that comes when your child is flagrantly moving away from you. And that is the heart of God and posture towards sin with us. The same is true with our relationship with God. So Jacob, Jacob consecrates himself and his family he calls them to, get this church, live up to their God-given potential. Church, when we come to Jesus, remember that we choose to deny ourselves, right, and follow him. That means that we don't add Jesus to our agenda. He directs our agenda. We cannot add Jesus to our ongoing life. He is our life. That is exactly what Jacob is starting to feel and get, and he gets it. And it's bringing him to a place of repentance. He's saying, family, I've led you astray. Come with me. It's time to follow God again. And it's a remembrance this time of what happened in his love encounter with God years before. God wants to do this in our lives. But he is not a violator of our will. The Holy Spirit will take over anything that we give him access to. Any room, any area in our life which we genuinely say, go ahead, God, do your thing. And Jacob here in the text is giving him access to his family, y'all. He's opening the door and saying, do your thing, God. I bring me and my family to you. They're starting to begin to live up to their potential. Spiritual leaders, it may be time to have a conversation, sit down, intervention with our families. Either literally or figuratively. If Jacob's moment happened in modern day, I'm just going to give you some phrases to maybe what it would actually sound like. Jacob may have said this, I confess, family, I have not made God the priority of my life, nor my family's. That's going to change today. I'm making changes in the time I spend with God. And I ask you to do the same. I won't ask you to do anything that I'm not doing. And it's not to earn, but to put ourselves in the way of experiencing God, who will be our family's life. I'm making changes in my schedule as well as our families. We are going to prioritize going to church gatherings every week. As a family, we are going to have family devotionals often. 
and we're going to share what the Holy Spirit is teaching us because God calls us to encounter and experience the goodness of God, to taste and see, not just know of his goodness. Children, I'm committing to praying for you I'm, and teaching you how to step in spirit with the Lord. My goal is that you would experience how a life built on Jesus is way more satisfying than the world's. Way more satisfying. My goal is that you would pass me in love for God. In Jesus' name, I pray that for all families here and all spiritual leaders, that you would give them a vision to pray that their children's love for you would far surpass their own. In Jesus' name. Bride, I'm committed to sacrificially loving you as Christ loved the church. I am committed to flourishing with our family, to you flourishing within our family. I will not allow you to outpace me in intimacy with the Lord. The reason we are making these adjustments is because God is good. And he has been good to us. As for our houses, may we serve the Lord. Amen? Men, some of us have allowed too much, if we're being honest, to happen underneath our household. We haven't been the example of a born-again man within our household to which we would look at our daughters and say, marry someone like me. We haven't been teaching or correcting our children in the Lord. We haven't been prayerful. We haven't been prayerful in a way that says, God, if I do not connect with you, my family will suffer. And that is no guilt, shame, or condemnation to just heap on you. No. God wants us to experience godly sorrow. It is a guilt for doing those things, not because it affects our family, though they are created in the image of God, and that's a stewardship issue, but it genuinely traces all the way back upstream and say, God, you have personhood. That's why I have emotions, thoughts, and feelings. You've made me in your image. And every time I've been doing these things within my household and not living up to what you have said, it's been making you sad. That is godly sorrow. The Apostle Paul says he will use that. He will use us feeling our offense towards God to true repentance. Not just salvation, but true repentance from our current sin. And the good news is, not just for spiritual leaders, but literally for every person in this room, is that God wants us to fulfill our potential. Way more than we want to fulfill our potential. And it's evidenced by the seal and person of the Holy Spirit. He has given each one of us the presence of God that animates us unto things unto the Lord. That brings us into intimacy with our creator to the point where we genuinely after this will want to get into the prayer closet and say God I'm sorry and you'll feel compelled to pray things that you haven't before I rebuke you enemy and your malaise over my family in Jesus name 
I renounce the ways that I have affiliated with the enemy. Lord, have mercy on me and my family. Have mercy on us. We are but former sinners. The only way that a person comes to that is by God and his spirit. And if you said yes to following Jesus, bless the Lord, you have that power. And he will give you those desires to pray those things. And before we make experiences more than what they ought to be, check back with me. We're going to jump actually a few verses forward to see how to see these experiences as Jacob saw them in the proper fit. Last thing here, verse 6. Eventually, Jacob and his household arrived at Luz, also called Bethel in Canaan. Jacob built an altar there and named the place El Bethel, which means, catch this, God of Bethel. Because God had appeared to him there when he was fleeing from his brother Esau, Jacob returns to Bethel. And he names the altar El Bethel, which means God of Bethel. Church, don't miss this subtle message that makes miles of differences. Bethel represents the encounter that Jacob had with God. When he returns, he names the altar the God of Bethel. In other words, the God of encounters. Church, it's a reminder that in asking for encounters, God is our goal. Because he's the God of encounters. We ask for experiences because we encounter God. We ask for experiences, not for experiences' sake, because at the end of the day, it's a means to encounter our Creator. And that, my friend, is the beauty of encounters with our Creator. We get more of Him and have the opportunity to give away more of us and become more and more like Jesus, thus fulfilling our potentials as individuals and as a church. For my friend who has not given your life to Jesus, as the band comes up right now, I want to invite you to make your first powerful memory with God. These memories start, the most powerful ones, when you feel like you first experienced the forgiveness of God. That comes by genuinely saying, Jesus, I confess my selfishness. Jesus, I confess that I have been running my life. I choose to turn away from that, and I choose to surrender unto you. I don't know if I have everything figured out, but what I do know is, is that you're in control, and I'm giving it back to you. I'm going to follow you. That is the first memory that will change your life. The first encounter that will change your life. And if you so desire to make that memory today, then I invite you to do it now. In a place where the presence of God is here in increase. Everyone, let's pray. For my friend who has not yet Jesus, let Jesus run your life and genuinely want to give your life to God today, I'm going to pray a prayer. Listen to it. 
And if it resonates with you, we'll pray it again. God, I ask you for forgiving me of my sins. I ask you right now to put your spirit within me. I surrender running my life. I choose to follow you. I believe that you're the son of God who died for me, rose on the third day to forgive me of my sins. If that's you, friend, who has not yet gave your life to Jesus, if that resonated with you, while everyone's heads are still bowed, please, I want to give you that opportunity right now. I'm going to pray generally and repeat after me. There's no power in this prayer. There is power in God. And he knows your heart. God, right now, I confess that I'm a sinner. I've made life all about me. I turn away from my selfishness. I ask you, God, to fill me with your Holy Spirit. I choose to follow you, Jesus. Fill me with your love. I believe that you came, died, and rose again on the third day in Jesus' name. While everyone's heads are still bowed and eyes closed, if that was genuinely you, would you mind giving me a, 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 just go ahead and look up and a raise of hand. I'd love to just invite you into the family of God. Brother, welcome man. You thought life began back when we first met. In that moment today, bro. one more moment sister back there I see you <clears throat> welcome to the kingdom of God I'm the first one to meet you as your brother life's going to change after this and you can expect that like to follow Jesus. Remember this date, the 6th of August, 2023, where life truly began. In Jesus' name. Friends, if I missed you while you're raising your hand, feel free to come talk with me after. God, I thank you for the two born-again saints that have entered into your kingdom. We praise your name, and we praise your name that you're getting greater, greater memories from here on out from those two and from us here as a congregation. Thank you for your presence today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give it up for God, huh? Let's give it up for God.